Luke chapter 17 is where we have been, verse 20. The Bible says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, listen to the question now, because this is the center. This is the nucleus of all the dialogue that is about to precede this. Listen to the question. Here's the question. Will when the kingdom of God come? Right there in your comments, just put the word kingdom, kingdom. When will the kingdom come? And Jesus said the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. In one version it says the kingdom of God does not come by observation. Verse 21, you won't be able to say here it is or you won't be able to say it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. As a matter of fact, you ought to just put your hands like this right here and just say that right there. The kingdom of God is right here. The kingdom of God is right here. Now watch what he says. Then he said to his disciples, who are the disciples? Not the pupils, not just the students. The disciples are the learners. I said the other day, the learners of this season will be the leaders of the next season. And Jesus is spending intimate time with his learners in this season. The time is coming when you will long to see when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. Listen to what Jesus says. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, all this is grandiose stuff Jesus is talking about. So it will be on the, with the, the day the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man, listen to it, carefully, must go through a season of suffering. Wow. Isn't it something that many times the things that we expect is not the things that will unfold? It's like Elijah in the cave, and there's an earthquake, and there's wind, and he keeps thinking that's the voice of God, or that's the voice of God. And God showed up in a still, small voice. I want to encourage you today, be still so that you can hear the voice of God. Don't get caught up and encumbered with all the, the rhetoric and all the stuff that's going on in this world today. Get in your closet and hear from God in this time. And he says, the son, when the Son of Man returns, listen to what he says, it will be like it was in Noah's day. We've been in this series called as it was in the days of Noah. I'm going to go through six things tonight. I'm going to do it as quickly as I possibly can. The first thing we want to do is go back to the Bereshith or the beginning and look at Genesis chapter 6. I said before, and you need to get this because you need to study this, that the days of Noah are from Genesis chapter 6 to Genesis chapter 9. I pray you've been reading those chapters so that as we go through this series, things will become, uh, they'll, they'll unfold for you, and you'll get better understanding. But in verse 11 and verse 12 of Genesis chapter 6, we see the condition of Noah's day. We, we should all know it by now, right? That there was violence and corruption. And we've said it many times already that corruption does not happen overnight. Corruption is a decay from the original intention. It's a falling away from the original thought. That's the condition of Noah's day. The characteristic of Noah's day are an eightfold. It's an eightfold characteristic. Number one, a rapid increase in population. Number two, an unprecedented accumulation of knowledge. You should all know these things by now. 
Number three, a rapid acceleration of vice and lawlessness. Number four, there was a fascination with demonic activity. Number five, there was a disregard for the laws of the sanctity of marriage. Numbers sound familiar, right? Number six, there was a rejection of the preaching of righteousness. Number seven, of course, the philosophy of deism was running rapid, which means God created the earth, and either he lost control of it, or he didn't want control of it anymore. That's the philosophy of deism. Number eight, it was a land filled with violence. When you add all eight of those things up, it comes to one equation, and that is chaos. Chaos. Dr. Lynn Howe said the other night, and I believe this to be true, that chaos is always at the end of what is not working anymore. And chaos is the birthing place of change. And we realize that in Genesis chapter 1, that God created chaos before he gave cosmos. He created an entropy before he gave the entry to his word. All things do not start out in smooth order. Usually things that are born of God start out in a chaotic condition or for a chaotic condition. Don't miss that. The third thing is the case for the kingdom. I told you in the preface of this tonight that the whole question was about the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? And watch what, watch what Jesus says. The kingdom does not come with observation. And I've said it many times. It doesn't come with ocular evidence, visible signs. That's not the kingdom. It doesn't come because you are looking for it. And sometimes you miss it looking right at it. The kingdom of God is among you. So the question is, was the dialogue about the end of the world, the end of the age, the end of time, or was it about a new day? Was this dialogue that Jesus is really having with these guys, is it really about a new beginning? And that's what I think happened. I think Jesus took the conversation and he turned it to a new start. Folks, I am confident of this. That we are on the threshold, the precipice of the greatest manifestation of the Spirit of God the earth has ever seen. We're about to see a move of God. The earth is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest. God is good, isn't he? The fourth thing is this, the construction of the ark. We've gone over it, the materials and the measurements, right? The gopher wood, we talked about all of that. We talked about the window, one door. We talked about those measurements, 350 and 30, and what they mean. But all of this was leading to something. He didn't tell him to build the ark just to build the ark. There was a reason. Say that word right there, reason. Yeah, and put it in your comments, reason. Or you could say, here's another word for it, purpose. There's a purpose. Say this. Not just reason, not just purpose, but here it is, the cause. There was a cause, and the chaos needed a cause. The answer for the chaos rested in the cause that God gave Noah. The answer for the problem in the earth today rests in the purpose that God gave his people. We all must come to this conclusion. This isn't about you. This is about being through you. Come on, 
I hope you're hearing what, what I'm saying. Quit making this day so selfish. Quit being so self-centered about the problems of this day and how it's affecting you. Turn that dialogue around and say, God is about to use me to affect the circumstance. You're the answer. God has the answer in your earthen vessel. He trusted us with this time. So he tells Noah, look, what we're going to do is you're going to build this ark. And the purpose of it is found in Genesis 6, verses 18 through 22. I hope you don't miss this. Twice God tells him, bring those animals in there, and for one reason, with your family, for one reason. And what was it? To keep them alive. Now let me show you something. I want you to think along two lanes like we did on Sunday. First of all, the purpose of the church, and then your personal purpose. The purpose of the church is to be a safe house. The purpose of the church is to be an army barracks. The purpose of the church is to be a hospital. The purpose of the church is to equip people to do the work of the ministry. The purpose of the church is to keep you alive. The church ought to be the last place you've got to worry about to go into and somebody's going to hurt you or harm you or, or God forgive, forgive God, God forbid, kill you. You know, we ought not be gossiping. We ought not be slandering each other. We should be standing in support of each other in Jesus' name. So the purpose of the ark was what? To keep them alive. If the church ever gets the revelation that that is our purpose, to keep the saints alive, and not just to keep them alive, but to keep them lively, then the people of God will bounce back from any problem. They'll create a spirit and faith of resilience that nothing can keep them down. And that's how you ought to feel every time you leave the house of God. God is good. That's all rehearsal. That's all stuff that we have covered already. Tonight, we're going to embark on the last thought, and it's number six in our discussion tonight, which is the idea of concept. Put that in your comments right now. Like, share, comment. Right? Like, share, comment. Hit those thumbs and hearts and let me know you're saying amen tonight. But put the word concept. This is a big, big word. Concept is a huge thought. All right? Concept is the big idea. Okay? So watch what God tells Noah. Build the ark, and this is the fashion. There's the word, fashion that you shall build it. This is the pattern that it shall be built. Now, God is a God of patterns. He's a wheel within the middle of a wheel. He's cyclical. God is most often powerful yet predictable. That's why he gave us seasons. He's predictable in this. He said, if you will, if you will sow, you will reap. Many times patterns are represented by principles. Violating the principle is the same thing as violating the pattern. So if you interrupt a season of sowing, you disrupt the season of harvest. I hope you're hearing that. You must accept the fact that God thinks along lines of sequence, series. He thinks along lines of succession. God is always thinking in longevity modes. 
never in temporary modes. That's why he says, I created the end and then gave the end a beginning. That's a powerful thought. It's over, y'all. We're just living it out. And guess what? We cannot lose. We absolutely will win. So he says, this is a fashion. So you find patterns all in Scripture. Exodus 25, God tells Moses to build a tabernacle after the pattern that I will reveal to you. How detailed is he about those patterns? In Numbers chapter 8, he tells Moses, even the candlestick shall be built after the pattern I show you. So God is so into the details of his patterns for you that he said, I want control of the minute situations in your life. Every detail of your life I want to be involved in. Think about that. Every decision you make I want to be involved in. Every conversation you have, I want you to know I'm right there. God is into the details. So watch this. If we teach the children, I saw this the other day in my spirit. If we teach the, the children to follow the pattern, before long, they'll be able to make the garment by themselves. You just have to teach your kids to follow the pattern. And you know, I believe that's where we have failed in our homes. The patterns you were taught as a child, just because you think they are, they are archaic, they are not ancient. They still work today. And it is our responsibility to impart those patterns to our kids. That's why Psalm 78 says it goes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Somebody shout praise the Lord. So really... In all reality, we are the pattern of God in the earth. The word pattern in the Hebrew means, listen to this, the figure and the fashion. Let us make man in our image. Well, if you could ever understand that God looked at himself when he cut your pattern out. He didn't look to somebody else and then cut a pattern out for you after that. He created us after him. And we are the only thing he created in his image. That ought to make you shout right there. So he says, now watch this. He said, build it after the pattern or build it after the fashion. This is a concept. God had a big idea. So I was thinking today, well, what is the difference between a pattern and a concept? I'm going to read it to you right now. The pattern is the model. The pattern is the model. The concept is the understanding of the model. Come on in the building. The, con the concept is the model. Are y'all understanding that? The pattern is the model, I should say. But the concept is the understanding or the revelation that you retain by experience or imagination. How can you interpret a concept from a God you don't spend time with? You can't do it. And when I was preparing this today, I wrote this down. Be careful and cautious with concepts. They are either forged from your past or they are formed from your future. If you're continually trying to build your concepts on your past, you're only creating a present. 
But if you will build your concepts by peering into your future, your mind always has to be changing. It has to be changing about yourself, and it has to be changing about your destiny. We go from glory to glory and faith to faith. We are in graduation mode daily when we're walking with God. So for every pattern, there's a design. For every design, there has to be a designer, right? A designer is the one who not only prepares the project, but he's the one that executes the plans for the project. In other words, what I just told you is God is the big designer. And do you think he made a mistake when he manufactured you? No, he did not. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a mistake. I don't care if your mom and dad, if your mom got pregnant in a Motel 6 on a Saturday night and never saw your daddy again. You are not a mistake. You are the concept of God manifested in the earth for a reason. And it could be that God wants to use your beginning to give somebody else a wonderful end. That's called your testimony. So, let's look at a concept car. The purpose of a concept car is to build motivation. Many concept cars you never see. The concept car is a thought from some engineer's mind. But he does that for the purpose of accelerating development in other cars. If we would ever get to the place where we say, God, use me to motivate other people. I believe we would enjoy the release of revelation in our life like we've never enjoyed it before. So the concept is the statement of not just the intent, but the motivation of the thing. So for every concept... Are y'all with me here? For every concept, there must be conception. Why have a concept if no one's going to conceive it? So God's concept for the earth had to be conceived by someone. This is the point that the enemy attacks like never before. Is that conception. Before we get into conception, I want to take a moment and talk to you about two words. Number one is preconceived ideas, and number two is misconceptions. You know why people have a hard time accepting other people's purposes and concepts in the earth? Because of their preconceived notions about them. Who are you to think that someone else needs your approval to complete God's assignment. You only got that preconceived idea because somebody told you something about them. Communication from a bad source creates preconceived notions and ideas about people you've never met. You know what you call that? Unfair. That's not fair. And then the second thing is misconceptions, which is an inaccurate conception. It's an opinion based on faulty thinking. Misconception and preconceived ideas are killing the purpose of God in the earth daily. And God's not responsible for that. We are responsible for that. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. 
People who are always operating in preconceived notions or in the practice of misconceptions are always closed to change. People who operate in preconceived notions are people who think they know it all. They're never learning. They're never listening. They're always talking and they're always teaching. But what they're teaching and talking about is something that is rigid, that is fixed, and it's not open to change. Folks, I believe we're in a season that God has forced change. He has forced it, just like in the days of who? Noah. Conception is powerful because it's the beginning or the initiation of the understanding of the concept. I better say that again because you don't want to miss it. Conception is the beginning or the initiation of the understanding of the concept. That's why misunderstanding interrupts revelation. You cannot receive proper understanding in communication with someone in one dialogue. If you're following vision, then your communication is going to have to go beyond one day. I'm going to take it a bit further. It's going to have to go beyond one season. If there's not longevity in the relationship, how could you ever receive revelation from the person you're connected to? It allows for change. So the acceptance or the reception of the revelation is conception. I hope I'm too deep for y'all because my purpose here tonight is to make you think. God has a concept. When you receive the concept, it's called conception. God always has a plan. He just needs a man. God has never had a lack of concepts. He's only had a lack of carriers. God has never had of ideas. He's just out of people that will carry his ideas. Carriers are those who can conceive the concept. Conception, watch this, when you do get the concept of God living inside of you and you start carrying it, it's going to make you bigger than you ever were. Why is that important? Because that's going to get on somebody else's nerves. You can't carry the concept of God and not grow. And the people you've been hanging out with your whole life that know you will always keep you at their level or below them. But you can never carry concept in this earth and remain the same size you are today. Conception demands growth. It demands you to get bigger. And when you get bigger, it makes you uncomfortable. But it does not only make you uncomfortable, it makes people around you uncomfortable because they think you do not deserve that promotion because they have a preconceived idea about you or they have a misconception about you and they'll always keep you at, your, at their level or below them because now you have become their competition instead of God's conception. Understand me tonight, folks. It's going to require some separation for you to go into the next phase of your destiny that God is calling you from. If I'm talking to leaders right now. You know, Josh reminded me this today, and it's so true. You know, if you watch Yellowstone, which I know all of you are too sanctified to watch, but I actually watch it. I kind of backslide a little bit on Sunday nights and watch Yellowstone. And uh, John Dutton said something the other night to his son. He said, I've never been so lucky to lead, watch this, people and remain their friends. Mm. 
I've never been so lucky to lead people and to remain their friends. Sometimes you got to get out in front of your peers. It's going to make them uncomfortable. It's going to make you uncomfortable. But if you want to carry what God has impregnated you with, everybody's not going to understand it. Everybody's not going to uh, uh, endorse it or affirm you in it. God is good, isn't he? So when God gets ready to birth concepts in the earth, he has to find men and women that are willing to carry it. And let me tell you something. Some of you are carrying stuff and you don't even know it that God's impregnated you with because conception don't show up immediately. I just said something right there. Conception don't show up immediately. Giovanna is just now getting her little poncita. And she's just about four months pregnant, three and a half months pregnant. And she's just now showing. Some of you have been carrying stuff for years and you're just now showing. Why? Because God would not let you conceive until this season. He needed you pregnant in the middle of this pandemic. He needed you pregnant in the middle of this problem. It's not time for you to be discouraged. It's time for you to be encouraged. You said God never used me before because he saved you for now. Now it's your turn. Now it's your time. Many of you have backslid from your call and God has suddenly started using you again and you're wondering what's going on. I never thought I'd be back in ministry again. I never thought I'd be preaching again. Why? Because God didn't get you pregnant till now. And you're starting to show. You're starting to show. And when you start showing, you start growing. I'll leave it right there. So here's, here's your, some conceptacles. Noah, Moses, David, Solomon, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, all these men carried the concepts of God. Why? Because they could receive them. And Noah carried the concept when no one listened. He was pregnant by himself. He was preaching God. He was preaching righteousness. And he had no converts. But he had conceived. Don't be discouraged when your numbers diminish and you're growing. God's in control. I better quit. Who's pregnant first, Abraham or Sarah? Abraham's pregnant before Sarah ever gets pregnant because God said, out of you shall come nations. Your wife's going to carry Isaac, but you carry in nations. I don't want to say it like this, but I will. Men, it's time for us to get pregnant. It's time for us to get pregnant with heaven's seed, with heaven's concepts. Quit thinking that the idea you've been dreaming about in your prayer life is some stupid idea. No, it's God trying to tell you, you can do it. I believe in you. I want you to carry this plan out. The concept is not only an idea, it's a strategy. Man, I better stop. Plans always precede pregnancy. Plans all, concepts always precede conception. Before I formed you, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. I had the concept before you was conceived. I just need you to carry it out. That's why abortion is so horrible. Abortion is the biggest weapon of the graveyard is 
full of potential and purpose that was never lived out because the enemy had his way. I know people are going to get quiet on that, but abortion is the greatest enemy to conception. Abortion is the killing of not just a person, but a purpose. Abortion is the, is the killing of a concept. Abortionists do not understand beginnings. And here's what's happening. There's too many spiritual abortions. God tries to get you to conceive the vision. You get discouraged and you abort the process. You abort the plan. How many times must God's heart be broken by us? Because we get discouraged. We don't have enough resources and relationships. And friends are leaving. And we abort it because they didn't endorse it when God already signed off on it. Abortion means to terminate prematurely. I want to encourage you tonight. Do not terminate God's plan prematurely. Just because you don't have everything you do that you think you need right now is really an indicator that you don't have everything you want. You think because you want it and don't have it, you can't do it. And God said, if you needed it, I would give it to you. You have everything you need. Final point, and I'll stop. I know I'm going a little bit over time, but I've been doing that a lot lately. God's concept, your conception. God's concept requires your conception. Now let me say this to you last thing. If you can't conceptualize what you have conceived, you're having a fantasy. If you cannot conceptualize what you have conceived, you're having a fantasy. To conceptualize is to interpret the concept. Why is that important? Because you cannot impart what you're not really carrying. You can't transfer what you can't interpret. Write it down. You cannot transfer what you cannot interpret. If people sound confused, guess what they are? They're confused. If people sound succinct in the strategies that God has given them, you better listen. That doesn't mean you have to follow them, but you better listen to them. The Bible says, how shall the armies rally to an uncertain sound? Habakkuk chapter 2, you know the story. You know the verse. Write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. I'm going I'm to just say this to you. If you can't make it plain, you don't have it. Write the vision and make it what? Plain. Don't overcomplicate the, the concept. God's concepts are real easy. I fear lest by any means you've been corrupted from the simplicity that is in the gospel. It's real easy. Here's the concept of God to cure the earth of sin. He sent his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's that simple. And if the concept that you have conceived is not about two things, redemption and reconciliation, it's not of God. If you're carrying concepts of division, segregation, and polarization, you're not of God. 
If you're carrying concepts that are always dividing and never uniting, that's you. That's not God. That's your flesh. The purpose of God is always doing two things, redeeming and reconciling. So if your conception of the concept that God has given you is not doing those two things, it wasn't God to begin with. All right. Some of us try to describe what we are carrying before the manifestation of the concept. It's called premature communication. What does it take to conceive and carry this concept? I'm going to give it to you right now. Number one is a holy imagination. Imagination is the screen of your heart that replays your past and preplays your future. And when that screen is sanctified, it is always showing you a bright future. If your projector is not being run by the purpose of God in the earth, you will always be watching horror flicks. And somebody's always dying. Your imagination, it is your opportunity to conceive the concept of God. Let God have your imagination. You ought to lift your hands right now and say, think big. Think big. Dream big. Let your imagination run wild. It's a gift from God. Number two is this, revelation. It's seeing God's concept for you for the first time. You see it for the first time and you've been looking at it for a long time. You know what I prayed for you today? That while I'm teaching the light tonight, that the light would come on for you. That while I'm teaching tonight, the light will come on for you. That suddenly you will see your significance. That suddenly you will realize how important you are in this earth. That suddenly you'll get a revelation. You're not an accident. You're an assignment. God sent you here. You weren't born. You were sent. Get that revelation. Number three is realization, which is the understanding of the concept. Get pregnant first. You'll find out what it is later. Giovanna got pregnant, and she's like, well, you know, when do you want to find out when, what it is, a boy or a girl? And I said, now. She said, no, let's wait, and, and let's do the balloon, and blue or pink pops. I said, no, no I, don't, I don't play like that. You're carrying my child, and if I can find out today what it is, get the nurse on the phone. She said, well, don't tell me. And I said, okay, so I called the nurse. The nurse said, it's a boy. So I wasn't going to tell her. You know what she said? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Because when you're carrying your dream, everybody eventually will want to know. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So, folks, be encouraged tonight. Fourth thing is the manifestation, which is the implementation of the concept. Once you learn what I just taught you tonight, you'll conclude with this. That your entire potential, your complete purpose, your power... And your provision is all caught up in your ability to carry the concept of God in the earth and deliver it. God will never allow you to birth the thing in the earth that he will not provide for. God will never allow you to birth the thing in the earth that he will not give power to. God will never allow you to birth something in the earth that doesn't have purpose. I hope you're hearing me today. And through all of this is the great revelation of your personal potential. Potential 
is not God's responsibility. It's yours. God can give you power. He can give you provision. And he can give you purpose. But you develop your potential. God does not develop that for you. So tonight, I know we went deep. But I, didn't came, I did not come in here bearing bottles of milk. I came with some steak for you tonight. And I pray that you can receive tonight what the Lord is saying. It's a critical hour. Can I tell you something? Just be vulnerable with you. Somebody asked me today, how are you? I said, well, from the sound of my voice, you can probably tell I'm wore out. Because I don't stop. I feel more urgent right now about my purpose than I ever have in my life. And I'm going to tell you another thing. If I was ever to sit under the ministry of Rick Hawkins, it would be right now. Why is that? Because of the urgency of the moment and because of the history of my purpose. I told Giovanna uh, this morning or yesterday, I'm so tired I don't feel like I can even talk anymore. Because that's all I'm doing is thinking and talking. If I'm not here in front of a camera or somewhere in front of a camera, I'm on the phone with pastors. And pastors are asking me, how are you making it? How are y'all keeping going? What's happening? And I'm giving strategies nonstop. I'm in the greatest hour of my destiny. You can be too. All you have to do is wake up. Just wake up and realize God has an incredible plan for your life. Conceive it and deliver it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the people that have watched tonight that you will touch them and I'm going to pray this, Lord. Convict them about their cause in this earth. Convict them for excusing themselves from their purpose. Convict us, Lord, about not really serving the concepts you have given us to carry. Convict us about leaving the original cause and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Convict us. Get us back in position. And if that means for you to forgive us, then forgive us and cleanse us from iniquities. Search us, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in us and remove it far from us because we want to be pure to carry your plan out in this earth. So we rebuke all distractions in Jesus' name. Receive the Lord right there where you are. Be born again. Ask Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. He'll do it. And he'll do it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.